podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sponsored by 1010 Podcasts. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. Welcome to episode 31 of the Celtic Exchange. This is Tino and today I'm joined by Math and Paddy. It's been a manic time for Ange Postacoglu since he was appointed Celtic manager back in early June, but that's all about to be lifted by several notches as he prepares for his first competitive fixture against FC Michelin in this week's Champions League qualifier. He goes into the game with a squad that on paper at least looks underprepared for such a game and he'll need to dig deep into his vast well of experience if we're to come out the other side on this one. Math, we've got a busy agenda this week but the main thing is the return of competitive football in the game v Mitchelland. How are you feeling about it? Hello Tino, hello Paddy, uh, hello listeners. I'm feeling um, excited mainly because I've, I've pulled a, a ticket. Me and, me and my boy um, have come out the draw so delighted at that, delighted to be returning to Celtic Park. As for the result itself I am low on expectation and I'm low on expectation just purely on the basis of the the composition of the squad and by the sounds of it and the looks of it a lot of our experienced players will be missing for one reason or another I have to say I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement with the manager's stance on that on only focusing his energies on players who want to be there and who are willing because I think that was a that was a fatal mistake that we made last season Albeit for the for the right reasons in, in the sense that you just hoped that the players were going to be classy enough and good enough to see us through. Yes, very excited. Going back to Celtic Park, very excited for the game tomorrow night, but but fairly low in expectation, just given that clearly, based on how the manager's speaking, the business hasn't been done that I think he was expecting and hoping for. I think that's definitely the case. Paddy, what about yourself? Are you nervous for tomorrow or like Math, is it more a case of excitement? Um, I wouldn't say I'm nervous. I'm, I'm kind of just of the opinion that we'll just see we'll see what happens uh, tomorrow night. I think I can agree with what Miff is saying. There is low expectations. First and foremost for me, Ange can't carry the can for this tomorrow night if uh, if things go the way that we don't want to go uh, and we get knocked out early doors here. He can't be carrying the can. I've seen a few people speak on, on uh, Twitter today saying about we've known for a long time that we're going to need a right back. Definitely, we have known for a long time. But at the same time, you also need your manager in. You also kind of see how the team's going to need uh, the team's going to need to how how to set up for the season. The manager gets the final say. What I've liked about Postecoglou the past few press conferences I've heard, he's basically called out that they've not been decisive enough and we've not brought in the players that we wanted and possibly some targets have went before we've even had the chance to to, to confirm anything. So. I like that this is getting called out. I think um, a lot is getting put onto this manager from the get-go. And I like that he does con- seem to compose himself quite well when he's been questioned on players coming in. So again, yeah, no, there's nothing on the manager at the moment. This is a bare squad at the back tomorrow night. A lot of reports I read about Ange was that he was all about scoring and not too much about defending. Well, we're going to probably need to score a few because uh, the back is quite concerning for me tomorrow. But yeah, um, we'll see how we go I'm looking forward to see what the shape's like and obviously so excited to, to see the campaign kick off again Yeah, so we'll discuss all things Mitchelland shortly Paddy but what I'd like to cover first of all with you two lads is the friendly fixtures that we've had uh, the last week or so couple of pretty disappointing and I'd say underwhelming performances Miff. so Bristol City 0-0 draw Preston North End 1-0 defeat What was your take on those two games? I was fairly impressed with the majority of the Bristol City performance as there was quite a decent bit of intensity in their play albeit that bit lacking 
ruthlessness in the final third, but injuries definitely curtailed the flow of the team. Um, some pretty tasty tackles for, for Bristol City, considering it was a friendly. Albeit that Celtic were a bit ahead of Bristol City, and I think they were they were struggling to kind of keep up with us a wee bit, so they were leaving the boot in at, at times. But pretty pretty toothless in attack. I mean, the, the one thing I know Ajeti is the subject of a, a lot of debate in the, in the support. Um, some people have completely written him off. Some people think he's, you know, he's a, he's a deadly finisher waiting to happen given the right service. Where I've landed on him is he, he's quite a talented guy, but cannot under any circumstance play up front on his own. He just doesn't offer enough movement and, and doesn't hold the ball up well enough. So for me, I think that's where a lot of our problems stem is that we don't seem to have the right type of striker in the squad for the way that the team wants to play. You could argue that we've got St Edward, but you know, you're probably in a can of worms there because A, does he want to stay and play and B, is he going to fit in with the way that Ange wants his, wants his striker to, because Edward would kind of more be a drop-off type of striker rather than somebody that's going to run in behind. But in any case, going back to the games, I, I, I was reasonably impressed with the Bristol City performance. Less so against Preston, but again, Montgomery being on one wing, Moffat and the other, Ralston Taylor playing, I wouldn't like to think that that's going to be the kind of the the width and uh, the the front the front kind of five that we're, we're going to be going with. So you know that he seemed in the pressing game to have a kind of half and half type approach where he mixed it up and and there was there was nice spells of play. I, I thought in particular Turnbull and McGregor absolutely shone because you could hear Ange bellowing at how he wanted them to play quicker, faster, move the ball. You can still see the remnants of last season in some of the players in terms of being shown their confidence and taking that extra touch and, and being maybe a wee, a wee bit more hesitant when they're, when they're moving the ball. You don't really get that for, for Turnbull and McGregor. They, they seem to play you know, on the half turn, head up, move the ball quickly. Unfortunately for Ange, I don't think he has the players or the majority of the players in the squad to play the way that he wants to play. You can see he's trying to put his, his imprint on the team. I like what he's trying to do. I can see that if it does work, it's going to be great to watch. But right now, we're at the painful bit where he's asking players who aren't capable, who don't have the technical ability or the wherewithal to take a touch, move the ball quickly and move. They, they just don't feel comfortable doing that. You can see them. You know, it's almost like they're passing the ball. They're slowing down when they should be speeding up. You know, all those... It's just wee, wee slight technical things that, unfortunately, the composition of the squad just now doesn't allow them to play exactly the way the manager wants to play. And you can see just wee signs of frustration in him because of that. Yeah, and I think that's pretty evident. And that's the thing, you know, we all know what McGregor and Turnbull can do. Very talented guys, very technical. But they're two guys at 11. You can only be as good as the, the guys that are around you. I mean, my key question for this section was, do we lack firepower? You've, you've mentioned a Yeti and perhaps he can perform as part of a front two. We don't know about Edward. Griffiths is obviously making the headlines and, and is very much part of the Champions League squad by the sounds of it. I mean, where do we stand on that party? Obviously, we've signed Furuhashi and, and it'll be a couple of weeks perhaps before we see him. But is that the problem? I mean, two friendlies, zero goals. I mean, I'm not reading too much into it, to be honest. I understand, you know, at the end of a 10-day camp, you want to see results. I think actually what we're seeing is a lot of players... The training's caught up with him a bit. I think um, both games, I can agree with what you were saying with, with, with Bristol City. We, we looked, we didn't look at under any pressure, to be honest. Uh, we closed the ball down very quickly after we lose it. And I think that's that's uh, son, son good to see. Uh, just on, very quick on the City game, I felt normally in a pre-season game, you wouldn't get two banks or five just yeah. sitting in. And that's what, that's what City did. They, they really sat deep and it was almost like a... 
what you were playing a lower division team they, they just totally camped in maybe a sign for their season to come to be honest maybe something they're working on um, I think for for us definitely today I, 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 I could say that after the games I've seen in pre-season I'm not too concerned at the moment I still think obviously we've, we've still got players to come in but um, Jamie mentioned not too long ago in some of the podcasts that after the Euros finished, that's effectively the beginning of our transfer window. You've kind of got to look at uh, the, the the strike force we've got. So you're looking at someone like a Yeti up front. The service he was kind of getting in those games, and I can agree with what you're coming. Maybe it comes down to the movement for him. But again, I think um, when you're firing all cylinders, that movement naturally comes as a forward. And I think that that's still kind of, he's still got to kind of find his way. For me personally, his first two games in preseason, I thought he was solid. I think he, he, he's looking a lot leaner. He's looking a lot more up for the game. He, he wants to be involved in every bit of play. And I think that when you've got young guys like Moffat and you've got Montgomery as his service uh, for the first half the other day, they, they didn't really seem to have... Everything came down the left for me on Saturday. Um, and I don't think there was much going on between Taylor and Montgomery. And I didn't see much for the right and uh, bar a, a wild shot from... Uh, or wild tackle from Anthony Ralston. Um, young Moffat didn't really get into the game much and again as a young player I think it's, there's there's potential there definitely but uh, the service for the strikers is still to come I think I, I think we're early days in kind of judging the attacking side of things because we've not really seen a start in 11 what we think will be a start in 11 really have a run out yet so I'm not too concerned about that it's the back I'm concerned about yeah that's true and I think any striker is only as good as the service so you know maybe a bit of a defence for Ayeti there taking aside Paddy all things you know tactical and, and personnel on Saturday you were lucky enough to be there how was it at Celtic Park? yeah it was it was amazing you know um, such a small crowd but my god they, they made themselves heard some more than others to be honest coming up past the Manor Station and walking up towards the stadium it was very emotional I'm really? not aye it was you know it's been a long long time for everyone and uh I think there are 9,000 going tomorrow night and my God, what a night you'll have. Whether win, lose or draw, it's us as supporters are all about is getting into that stadium and it's it's it was beautiful to be back on Saturday, it really was. <laughs> yeah, great words, yeah. I'm the same, I'm lucky enough to be going along tomorrow. So myself, uh, my brother's gone along and, and obviously Miff and his wee lad. So we'll look forward to reporting back on that. But yeah, very excited to be back at Celtic Park. Uh, Paddy, staying with yourself for a moment. Sorry, Miff, bide your time. Uh, you also managed to speak to a few guys last week on a couple of media calls. So David Turnbull, on the week and Tommy McIntyre ahead of the Celtic B team game and Leila Bada after he had signed any kind of general kind of thoughts or, or takeaways from those interviews the interview we had with uh, David Turnbull was was um, a nice insight to see how kind of pre-season was going and it seems as if the tempo's been upped from the Lennon regime in my opinion but we'll not go into him again I think everything seemed you know at a good level they all seem as if they're taking on board what he wants to do what, he's quite, what, what he is trying to create. And obviously, like we've said, it's 10, 15 days into this training camp with him, down to, uh, into pre-season with him. It's still very early days to kind of see what we're going to get from Ange. But they all seem to be taking on board this mentality that the game doesn't stop. The chat we had with Tommy McIntyre, really, you know, I thought a good insight to what the season's going to hold in the, the Lowlands League. He, he took the pressure off the boys straight away by saying that, you know, what we're going up against, the teams we're going up against, they're no mugs. They've played this uh, kind of football for a long time and this is all young players going into this. Um, and you could see on Saturday it was a tough game for them, but from what I've heard, they had their chances as well. I wasn't able to see the game, but Tommy spoke very well about the up-and-coming season and, you know, what that link between the first team and the Colts could be this season as well. Because I, I do think we're going to see a lot of the young guys getting a, given a chance, uh, especially after the pre-season. Abada was uh, 
good uh, inside view to to you know his move and and how that's all came about and you know his his words for Celtic so far it's seems like a dream move for him so yeah great respect for him and, and obviously we wish him all the best and hopefully he can go and do a job for us yeah great stuff Paddy so if anyone wants to hear those interviews all three and full are on our YouTube page so just search the Celtic Exchange on YouTube and you can catch them there Miff just to follow on from Paris chatting about us obviously you know in the week past we've signed him for three and a half million and also Kyogo Furuhashi for four and a half million from Japan any early thoughts on you know maybe this relatively limited information we have on these guys at this point? I mean, Abada obviously came off the bench on, on Saturday and I thought he, he had a fairly decent and lively uh, wee cameo. He showed a bit of intent, was, was pretty direct and he even managed a, a decent effort on goal as well. So I, I think I've seen enough from him to think he's he's ready to make some sort of impact um, fairly quickly. He looks at a, a good signing, is my early impression. Not, and I don't just mean that for the point of view of the, the small cameo he had. I think the profile of a player... He's young, hungry, he's fast. He's obviously been a standout for a team that he's played for in the, the Israeli league as well. You know, rather than, than other profiles of signings that we've went for for that particular agent, uh, I, th- I think this one's probably got a bit more scope to do well. In terms of Furuhashi, it seems to be a it seems to be a wee bit left field. It's obviously been driven by Ange and B. Then when you look at the the videos, technically he looks very assured both feet, making really penetrative runs and behind the defence and behind packed defences with mm-hmm, not a lot mm-hmm. of space that's the type of player we need you know if you looked at videos before the likes of Bio Klamala you know they'd be running running in acres of green grass for a ball over the top his goals seem to be quite it's quite cramped there's, there's lots of players about when he's when he's scoring his goals and I think that bodes well for the type of striker that Celtic need or the type of player that Celtic need they will need to overcome fairly packed defences most weeks and, and the player that he reminded me most of the way he was coming in off the wing was actually Scott Sinclair I don't know enough given that he was playing against us on Saturday so if he does half as well or scores half as many goals as Scott Sinclair will be doing well Yeah that's interesting so he, he's a he's a different type of profile in terms of, of well, so he's 26 years of age I think he's been top scorer in the J League the last couple of seasons I mean he looks to be something of a superstar by all accounts and he received a, a very emotional farewell by the players that was throwing him up in the air and presenting him with flowers and, and obviously um, you know his teammate Andres Iniesta I think is he teammate in fact is he yeah. coach no no he gave him a glowing reference and I think if Iniesta's telling you you're a, you're a decent player you know that, that would do for me he's also been capped for Japan so I think he's got six caps and three goals there Abada slightly different obviously a younger lad he's 19 um, arriving from Maccabi Petatikva 20 goals in 76 games so unlike maybe a guy like Owen Moffat or some of the young guys coming into our squad at 19 this guy's also 19 but he's got 76 senior games of football under his belt made his debut at 17 and he's also been capped so I mean, what's your take, Paddy? Excited by these kind of guys? Yeah, absolutely. I showed a bit of like concern to some of, some of my friends during the week about an, another dude who hand signing. To be honest, I'm kind of mixed on some of the players that we we've, we've, we've seem to have brought in with this guy. And to be honest, I thought it was a Neil Lennon link, but it just seems to be definitely just a Celtic link. For me, obviously, time will tell with Abada. Uh, I, I did like the look of him on Saturday. I thought he threw himself into the game, and yeah, some glimmers of pace. A lot smaller than I thought. A lot smaller than I thought he, he was going to be. But again, I think if you're playing off the right of being a forward or even on the right wing, that you know you'll, you'll be fine there. Yeah, ex- that party. No, not at all. Not at all. But uh, Math was also a diminutive right, right winger. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm excited to see him and. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes, uh, how it goes for him. And uh, the Japanese boy, as the song goes, I think uh, good signing, very clever from the the business side of things again as well. We've seen already the, the talks about a uh, um, uh, Celtic FC Japan page as well, so they're not daft. 
Yeah, yeah, I think there's a, a commercial element to that, yeah, move, no doubt. Um, moving on from that, so the Champions League squad has been confirmed today. So a couple of interesting points in that. So no Ayer, no huge surprise. So he's expected to go to Brentford for... 13.5 million plus add-ons. Good business. We might cover that in a bit. Um, knowing Cham, which I think is interesting because there was some noise that you know he was going to knuckle down and fight for his place. Doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, Abada's not in the squad at this moment in time and neither's uh, Furuhashi. Celtic can add a couple of late players to the squad. So whether they put these lads in or maybe there's a couple of very late signings, who knows. I would far rather we put in an emergency centre-half or right-back, for example, if that came to be. But what's your take on the, the squad? So any great surprise with those omissions? No, I don't think so. Um, whilst he, he referenced in Cham, or having a chat with Cham and saying that he wanted to come and make an impression and that he'd been training well a week's past since then, maybe the, the kind of new in Cham has, has faded back into the old in Cham. Take it where it um, lasted. I, I, I don't quite know because the, the chat of him going to EK Athens is pretty much gone now. I know that that was a permanent link. The only thing I can say on Cham, just obviously I understand he's not he's not been part of the team. He was also late in joining up as for, for like a full start of pre-season. So I like don't he know. He didn't, feature, he, didn't, he only featured second half in Charlton. I mm -hmm. think he didn't feature against Bristol City and he didn't so feature against uh, Preston either. I'm wondering if he's basically said, well, you're not, you're not ready for a squad yet. But from what I've seen, and I'm going by two social media posts by Cham, is that, he, you know, he's... He's here. He's here for the next yeah. season. Yeah, definitely. And wants to be part of the team. So. Yeah, but interesting, he's not in that squad. And I True. wonder if that can be adjusted later on if we manage to qualify. Another interesting point uh, from Ange today, um, one of his quotes was that he basically says he'll only be picking players who have both the physical and mental mindset to play. So maybe he feels that perhaps when Cham, maybe a bit of both, maybe his head's not quite there yet and maybe he's physically not quite ready. Who knows? But it seems to be in a similar way to Rogers, who said, you know, you only play for me once you're at a certain body fat and a certain level of fitness. Maybe, maybe there's something like that going on. I mean another guy who perhaps falls into that bracket, he's in the squad, but we've barely seen him is Ryan Christie. What do you think's happening there, Paddy? Is has he been cast aside? Does Ange just not see the the commitment from him? Not even in the bench if you pressed and I don't think. So where is he at? Again, possibly one of those players that was part of the, the, the Scotland Euro team has maybe came back and just not shown enough fitness. He spoke in a press conference lately about the, the level of fitness he's not happy with. Mm -hmm. I've heard that one before as well. And I can see the likes of like Christie being problematic in the sense that obviously the, the opinion's been voiced that he wants to leave from his father. Whether that moves in there, whether it, uh, in motion, we don't know. We don't know. Uh, seeing glimpses of him at training today, and that was a squad training uh, for, for tomorrow night. So whether or not he's, he's there tomorrow night, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Do I think he has a future at the team? I don't think so with his attitude. I don't think so either. Um, okay, so interestingly, we've also seen the draw. So should Celtic beat Michelin, they'll face either Galatasaray or PSV. Um, that would be early to mid-August for those fixtures. Take on that, Matt, I mean... They don't get any easier, do they, as, as we progress? Who's to say that if we, we did manage to find a way against Mitchell and we wouldn't be in a much better state by then in terms of the, the makeup of the squad and a bit of business being done and a few more positions filled. So, you know, the, the, the reports are very obvious if we get this right, but just I'm, I'm just trying to be rational and, and realistic. I know that, that doesn't bode well when you're a football fan, it doesn't make sense to be like that. You should just dream and shut up and forget it, leave your brain at the door and just go and support the team. But being realistic and being rational, to me it seems the manager is fully aware that he doesn't have the squad that he needs to do what he wants to do. Re picking up those vibes, reading those signs, I as a supporter, yes, I will go there and I will back the team to the hilt and I'll pray to God that we produce a result. But I, I just think my overall view is 
it's not that the game came too early because we knew the game was coming for a, a long time but for the work that, that Andrew's doing the, the much vaunted rebuild it just came a bit too quickly for that and, and the point that, that Paddy made earlier was a very good one if the end of the Euros is, is seen as the start of our, our season it's only been a week or so yeah, past yeah. so you know we, ha- we have tried to squeeze a fair bit of business into the, the past seven or eight days so in fairness it's frustrating it's frustrating for us all because we've probably been looking at this game since January as fans thinking this is the most important thing but for reasons only known to them the board of, of Ladies of Mary Dance with the whole Lady How nonsense and then what I would I would deem as a, as a failure to prepare the squad not only for the point of view of new signings but for the fact that still hanging around the squad are players who don't want to be there and haven't been moved on. It's Groundhog Day with uh, with us going into a season and not being ready for the qualifiers. Again, um, we were spoke, speaking before we came on. None of this blame goes on to Ange for no. these for, for no. these uh, incidents. This is this is a board that needs to have all of this in place, and they haven't. Yeah, so I mean, Ange, he was officially appointed on the 10th of June, but as we know, there was a bit of time to get him into the country, probably 10 days or so from there. Only went down to Wales a couple of weeks ago on the 5th of July, and lo and behold, you know, two weeks and a day later, you're into a, you know, the most important season, fixture of the season. So, yeah, there can't be any blame on Ange. And, I mean, he's a lad with broad shoulders, and I think he's quite happy to, you know, defend the club and, and pick up the conversation and, you know, maybe protect his players and even those above him, who knows. But, yeah, there's certain things that, you were well in place before Ange came on board and they will take a long time to undo and rebuild and, and we know all about them. So um, in terms of the game itself against Michelland, you know, huge game for us. Celtic definitely going through a period of transition with Ange, but I think they too are in a similar position. So you'll have seen some of the headlines. I believe they lost their first league game recently. Um, they've got some strikers who are missing for different reasons. One of them, I think, has contracted COVID, a guy called Aral Seamser. And a guy, Sori Kaba, has gone all diva and fell out of the club and he's been banished from the squad. The manager himself was only po- appointed at the end of May. Uh, a guy called Bo Henriksen. Myth when the crowd say Bo? You say Henrik. <laughs> so he's taken over in May and he'll be finding his feet and, and working out what to do with the team. So, yeah, we're in a bit of a state just now, but maybe as good a time as, as any to catch them. Well, that, that's the only hope, is that there is another team in Europe in as much disarray as us. <laughs> I, I'm just completely and utterly focused on what we do and in many ways it's really intriguing because I don't think at any time Ange has played what would be his first 11 at the one time so as far as that's concerned it's intriguing for me who's he going to pick who does he trust do any of those marginalised players then come in it's intriguing for me and you know we're going to know a hell of a lot more once we see that first team sheet yeah, definitely. I mean, one big question, Paddy. We've not seen him yet this pre-season, but we know all about him as James Forrest. There's a suggestion that he's in the reckoning for the game. Do you think we'll see him from the start? I don't know about the start. Um, depending on how the game goes, I mean, you, you get if he's if he's fit enough, you get him on. Absolutely. Um, I don't think he's fit enough for ninety minutes, to be honest. Um, but talking about the, the the potential selection, you take Ayer out of obviously that. Obviously, he's not even in the squad, but. Everyone's got the potential to be in this team tomorrow night. And I think, like Miff has said, we've not seen a start in 11 yet. That'll have been seen at Lennox Town, I think. I think those that are like, you know, that, that they're definitely going to be playing, they will, they will have been getting used a lot at Lennox Town against the youth teams as well. Things just getting ready, the way he wants to play, the shape he wants to play. And he's not giving much away, to be honest. Just on that point, I think it was, oh, was it Welsh? I'd seen quoted on one of the websites today saying, this has been. The only thing we've been focused on was this game, the Mitchell game. 
But since Ange just came in the door, that's that's all he's focused on. So he's focused on the way he wants to play for it, the shape for it, the, the, the line-up for it. So that could there, be has, the case. I, there, there has been some injuries around that, which would be would be unfortunate. I, I think Karamoko being the most obvious one, and, and possibly Mikey as well, that, yeah. that both of them offering a bit of width on either wing would have been you know been fairly exciting for yeah, me as yeah. a fan. I would have, I'd have been delighted to have, to have seen that. But I think it's just... I think Angie's frustrations obviously came for the fact that probably had an idea of how he wants to go and that quite close to the, the game has curtailed him and it's mainly that that's a frustration for him that is just that that's my summary of it albeit that I don't think we've done the business either that he would have liked yeah obviously I mean you're right I think you made a good point earlier on there if, if we who me uh-huh Sure. It's a, I know. It's a, Doesn't it's, sound right, Paddy. No, no, no. It's a podcast first here. I'm not listening to that again. <laughs> <laughs> no, like you actually said, if we do go through, it's a big if. Um, if we do go through, we might be in a better position to uh, bring in a, a few more players. Things might settle a wee bit. And then actually you're looking, well, hang on a minute. PSV, they've got some good players. A lot of them have played really well at the Euros. The likes of them, Fries, not Galloway. Um, talk, talk about um, Everton. Yeah. Being in for him and so, being close to signing him. They'll, they'll be worried about losing players as well. Galatasaray, I've not really looked into much of what they have done, but they, you know, they struggled against Rangers last year. There is potential when you look at the other side of this tie. It's the now, obviously, that's the worrying thing. But if we do somehow get by it, which, you know, like I say, midfield to the front, our team's good enough. Our team is good enough. The worry is the back line. Um, I actually have to say, I'm going to give him a special mention. I thought Barkas on uh, Saturday was brilliant. Yeah, credit where it's due because he's had enough grief both from us at times yeah. last year, to be fair enough. And yeah, you know, I've seen some brilliant saves from him. He's definitely going to have some sort of um, renewed confidence from the fact that Ange, you know, fellow Greek and all that stuff. I think he will be giving him a chance. He'll have said, listen, it's over to you, Barky. Do what you do. That's that's what I didn't know who, who you were talking about there when you said uh, Barky. Barky, that's, right, right, it's Barky. Barky. That's the guy. Right. So I think he's got a bit more confidence than potentially any other time in his Celtic career. Now he's got to take it from those friendlies and the backing that Ange has given him and take it into these uh, these essential qualifiers. I go back to one thing I've said about him though um, in, in previous podcasts is that the thing that Barcast doesn't have is a settled Barky. Uh, Barky apologies is a settled back four and you know. Out with that, I think he's, you know, he's, there has been glimpses of why we've spent so much money on him. The first save that he made oh, on on Saturday, I thought was phenomenal. Yeah. That, and again, I was watching. I went, oh, I think it, we all it, did. it was almost like a shock. I was like, oh, how how did he save that? And I, I was actually delighted for him because I'm, you know, he said so much stick without necessarily making any one particular howler. Mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. You know, he said so much stick just for kind of, I don't know, just. Being Barkas, Barkas, sorry. Um, I, I think it's it, it's nice to see that he seems to have gained a wee bit of confidence. Also, he's quite noticeably playing outside his box yeah. quite a lot because he's been told that you know. So obviously, I, I think I think he's going to be our, our number one this season. I seem we've been linked to Foster again. I, I would I would like Foster to come back. To be perfectly honest, we have seen loads of folks saying no, he's burned his bridges and knocked his back previously I, I don't necessarily subscribe to that mm. what I would say is yes I would welcome him but I'm, I'm not necessarily that disappointed if we go if we go with Barkas I think we've paid money for him Let, let's, let's go and see let's go and see how good he is and if the manager's got enough confidence in him that's good enough for me for me the goalkeeping's not the biggest issue on that side it's not I, I go back to last season again like you, you, you nailed it in the head again there Miff. not a lot of the goals that were conceded by Barkas in my opinion 
were entirely his fault. There was a calamity in front of him. The amount of times a ball dropped right in front of a player for him, he slotted it in left or right, left or right of him, and people were saying he should have reached it. It was crazy. Six yards out, crazy. For me, looking at how we are going to play, I'd love Foster back. I think he's one of the best goalkeepers I've ever seen at Celtic. But for the way we're looking to play, I don't know if he fits in. He but, doesn't. He's not an Ange kind of goalie. No, Barkas and Bain have both been up at that halfway line and it's to keep the ball rolling. It's mm. the, that, that never stop attitude yeah. he's looking at. That, that was never a penalty on Saturday, by the way. Never a penalty. So I've heard, I've not seen it. I was he, at the, he, the guy, guy kicked, his, <laughs> kicked his leg into Bain and then made it look like fun. But as interesting, Paddy, to your point, there's no doubting, you know, we know how phenomenal a shot stopper and a presence Fraser Foster can be. It just seems that Angie's looking for a different type of goalkeeper, you know, sweeper keeper and all that stuff. And whether that's Barkas or not, I think he will get the chance. And if it's not Barkas, it will be someday of that ilk that yeah. will come in potentially. So just, I mean, just to go back to your point though, Paddy, I think you're right. If we can somehow, somehow manage to scrape through this fixture, all of a sudden things could start to become rosy because as I say the, the next tie, Galatasaray or PSV, I think the first one's 3rd, 4th of August, second one is 10th, 11th of August. So there's a wee bit of time that maybe allows us, you know, to get Furuhashi in mm -hmm. and Abada, you know, a bit more uh, acclimatised and different things like that. Plus, centre half, right back, potentially left back. And all of a sudden, you know, you could be shaping up in a far healthier way for this next tie. Just one last key question ahead of the Michelin game. What or who, if any of the young lads, do you think will get the nod from the from the, from the get-go? Anyone going to stake a claim? I think based on the fact that there's been injuries, the most likely one for me would be Montgomery on the left, potentially. Would you have uh, him further up where I, he's been? I... I would, I would play him at left back, personally. I, I have been very impressed with Dane Murray. Mm -hmm. Very impressed with Dane Murray. He's, he's pretty raw, mm -hmm. but seems to just cover the ground really, really well. And he, a few times on on Saturday, was left one-on-one. -on -one. He seemed quite comfortable yep. defending one-on-one. -on -one. He held as well, actually, at mm -hmm. times. At mm -hmm. times, like, he's really got a bit of pace about him. Aye. So I, I think for me, if, if I had to say one, uh, youngster it would be Montgomery at left back would be for me because yeah, I, I think I think he's better just coming coming for left back rather than being expected to create on the left one I agree with you there I agree with you um, I'm going a bit left field for two of my choices I can actually maybe see Ball and Golly getting the start and then now the reason I'm saying that is that it's going back to this experience thing and he's possibly looking at you know who's who's the fittest at the moment and you go with a player that's had the bit of experience and is fittest that's going to start I would be surprised if he starts, but I've just got a sneaky feeling that he might come in. Yeah, there could uh, be some rationale. I mean, he played against Man United last yeah, year, Champions League. Uh, he didn't win, but <laughs> <laughs> um, the other one as well, um, I actually thought alongside Dame Murray, but I agree with you with Dame Murray, I thought he was very comfortable on Saturday. Uh, and also barking orders as well. Um, at, at Ralston, um, for, for the, the, sorry, <laughs> at Ralston and for the time being that they were on together. I think they were on together. The other player that came on for Alston though is Leo Connor, and I'd like to see more of him. And I think again, when he came on the right hand side, he looked a lot more comfortable and he linked up with Henderson quite well. And what what's interesting there, Paddy? So obviously, you know, we've talked about Ralston a lot, but mm -hmm. Ralston went to St Johnston on loan, didn't really work out. Yeah. I think maybe Dundee United as well. It's just not worked for him. Whereas O'Connor's gone down there and played just about a full season mm -hmm. for Tranmere, so he's got games under his belt. And recently too, you know. Ralston barely featured last year. He was always on the bench, but barely featured. So why would O'Connor not be ahead of him in the pecking order? I don't know what's going on there. O'Connor also, I think he made his international debut for Ireland in June mm -hmm. as well in a friendly. Um, he's well thought of uh, when he left United. A lot of the fan forums were, were up in arms about oh, that, it. That's right, yeah. Um, so I don't know. And no offence to Ralston. Um, 
like I said in this podcast before, he's he's signed basically as the backup for me, and mm-hmm. he he will be a squad player this season. Dundee United refused to give him a contract. Uh, they didn't want to, they didn't want to take him up when they were in the championship. Again, we go back to we should have known we're going to be in this position for a long time, but have we waited for some of these young players to finally show a, a level of maturity that they're going to come into the first team? I don't know. I, I'd like to see a corner be given a chance. I, I would, and the same. Same with uh, Montgomery at left back, but I've got a feeling it might be it might be ball and goal tomorrow yeah, night. The, the left back is definitely a mystery position. I mean, to, to remain on Ralston very mm-hmm, briefly, mm-hmm. he has started all four friendlies. Yeah. I think he's he's a stick on to start tomorrow, so he would most likely be right back. It's going to be Welsh and a another probably beat on. Yeah, you know, based on experience and different things and the way Andrew wants to play, the left back still is a mystery because I think it's most likely to be Taylor. Mm-hmm. I would like it to be Montgomery, but to your point, Paddy, it could be Ball and Goalie. So, <laughs> and listen, the only people that will know this is Ange and the squad. I'm quite sure he'll know his team already and maybe has done for the last few days. And I'm sure he'll have been working at Lennox Town with who his desired 11 is. There might be one or two up for grabs, but he will know pretty sure what he's going to do. Just on that point, the one thing that should be noted in it that probably our listeners will be throwing things at their listening device as I say this, but Ralston and Taylor's work ethic is unquestionable. The, the amount of effort they put in in games, and I can see why Andrew, would, at this stage, based on who he has available, would want to play both those players because Aye. they are they are absolutely tireless. Now, when they get the ball, that's a different matter, but their, their work off the ball, and you know, because you've seen them, they're drifting into central positions, then next thing you know, they're making a support and run out wide. They, they are willing to play the way that he wants. It's just, for a technical point of view, they just can't move the ball quick enough. Yeah, yeah. and you can't fault these guys for their effort. And there's no agenda here against no, no. Annie Ralston or anybody. You know, anyone that plays for Celtic will get her back in. But I think just in terms of their ability, they're just very limited, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, you're absolutely spot on. No one's out to get anyone here. I just, I think on a footballing term, and I kind of go back, maybe not a lot of people have seen it where the likes of uh, Ball and Golly, but I think O'Connor, on a footballing sense, I just thought he looked very composed alongside Dame Murray. He, he did. I thought O'Connor, again, he, he got up and down quite well. Again, visually, just looked comfortable on the mm-hmm. ball. Mm-hmm. Would, would come straight into the action and got involved. You know, I always like that rather than hiding away. Again, I thought Abada did the same thing, to be fair. Um, but the O'Connor one's a, a strange one. You know, highly rated youngster, been out and loan, like you said, you know, if it's a profile of somebody that would now come in and get their chance when the squad is so light, but he hasn't exactly, you know, Ralston seems to have been heavily favoured um, during pre-season. Yeah, I think as we touched on in last week's show, there will be no better time for these young guys to stake a claim to to play first-team football. So it will remain to be seen tomorrow, the game against Beachland will be really, really interesting and we'll, we'll see who gets the nod then. So obviously another key point of the game, as we touched on earlier in the show, is the fact that 9,000 fans will be there. What kind of difference do you think this is going to make to how the, the team perform? Huge difference. Now, it can go one or two ways. We, we know... There's a lot of anger that's been built up in the last season. So if we don't go off to a good start, that's not good. What our fans need to remember is tomorrow that the, the this team's going to need that 9,000 with them for the 90 minutes. This is a big game tomorrow night. And, you know, those that have been away will be so happy to be back in that stadium. I, I can't explain the feeling, even just walking up the steps. You see the cheesy videos that people put up walking up the stairs and looking out into the stand. It is brilliant. It'll be a great feeling for you tomorrow night. And I think that 9,000 behind them for 90 minutes, anything can happen at that stadium. We've, we've seen it all before. Yeah. How, how did that work in the stadium, Paddy? So obviously 2,000, you know, fairly spaced out. Mm. Was there much by way of singing? Are people trying to get the singing going or was that not so much a thing? Well, a couple of us, when we were walking into the, the turnstile, started singing 
for it's a grand old team and one of the stewards said that these are the first that they've heard singing all day everyone had their masks on walking up to their seats obviously instructed to keep your mask on in the stadium not everyone did so mm. there was a bit of to and fro and was uh, singing like going across predominantly in the north stand uh, come on you boys in green was getting was getting sung it um, wasn't lasting very long but it was still nice to hear it walk on at the start as well brilliant aye Matthew you taking your key and turn the megaphone tomorrow to get the boys going <laughs> uh, oh, oh, I won't need a megaphone they'll hear me <laughs> um, they'll hear me I am I'm, I'm, I'm Really, really looking forward to it. I, I just can't wait, and I, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be singing my heart out. Yeah, what were you real lad excited? Only when, when I told him, he was, he was just absolutely delighted. It's, it's weird because it, that's, that's something we've went to. I mean, he's, he's the season ticket fee has been four, I think. So the fact that we've spent so long without being there, it's just, you know, it, it's been, it's been pretty tough. And and even, even things like, I mean, it's going to be interesting for for us guys coming for the. Uh, coming for the east because they've got their cycling up, um, so it's going to be a test case to see uh, how good the access is going to be because it's down to one lane coming in and going back out. So it should be quite. You'll be fine. Should be quite interesting, but we only nine thousand there. It shouldn't test it, test it too much. Aye. But even even be things like he's he's missed going on the bus. He's got a wee group of pals that he, he's got on the bus uh, and all that brilliant. sort of thing. So um, just just going back just going back to it is just just unbelievable. So I. I, I look forward to to telling you all about it next week. Hopefully, we're a wee victor under our belt. Yeah, and that's what it's all about, Matt. So, I hope it's a great night for him and all concerned. So, other big news uh, that's landed is that, as expected, Callum McGregor has been confirmed as a new club captain. So, a short-lived reign for Albin Ayeti. It was good when it lasted for him, <laughs> uh, game and a half, maybe, maybe not even. Um, what do you think, Paddy? The right call? Um, I, again, I've spoke to friends about this not too long ago. I'm, I was fifty-fifty on the matter. I think he's the right candidate in the sense that he's obviously been at the club the longest and um, he's got the respect of the players that have been there for a, 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 a bit and I think that you know the fans know what McGregor's all about they know what um, he's taken from the likes of Brown and other leaders that have been at the club as well for me um, I don't I'm not at training every day I'm not on the part with him so I'm, I'm hope hopefully I'm totally wrong but I, I mentioned to some of the guys that I would hate to kind of be behind the Ibrox for example one nothing down do I see McGregor as the one that's going to rally the team and get them going again I'm not so sure do I want to be proven wrong absolutely yeah I'm in a similar position to that Paddy so we've we've spoken at length for the last few months when we knew Scott Brown was moving on my impression at that time was that Callum McGregor wasn't or isn't an archer leader I may very well be wrong with that and listen you don't have to be the balling and shouting captain particularly in the modern game as well and perhaps he carries the message very well he's obviously had detailed conversations with Ange Postacoglu and he feels he's the right man and listen maybe he feels he's the right man because he's the only man to take on the job just now maybe he's got limited options but as long as he's the skipper and playing for Celtic he will get the full back and so good luck to him what about yourself Muff? Well based on last season I would have said no just because I, I, I didn't think that he, he looked like he was inspiring the team although the, the caveat to that is they were all struggling yeah. last season um, bar, bar maybe a couple what I've seen from this season the way he's been asked to play he almost looks liberated I would say his own personal game seems to be back to where we would like it to be you know kind of just moving the ball on quickly the amount of times on Saturday for example I've seen him make an angle to get a teammate out of, yeah. out of trouble whereas Last season he seemed to be kind of stuck on the left hand side and, and therefore he wasn't able to come in central and, 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 and dictate play. He seems a bit further up the park, uh, doesn't yes. he? Yes, and, and, and it's almost like the position, dare I say, that, that Rogers mm-hmm. um, had him playing in where, where he seemed to shine so brightly. So I think I, I would go the other way. 
I, I think, to use the scenario, 1-0 down at Ibrox, McGregor dictating the play and driving the team forward do, 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 just by doing what he does and playing mm -hmm. the game that he, he plays at, I think would be quite inspirational because he takes a lot of responsibility when he does that. Last season, I think he was slightly out of position, out of, short, out of sorts and tried to take too much responsibility because he was the captain at times last season. That's just how I felt. Yes, a lack of obvious and available candidates, but if I'm being honest, personally, I'm just absolutely delighted for him. I've mentioned before on the podcast, he fits the profile, absolutely, of someone who would go down south with my blessing. You know, gave his excellent service to, to the club, came through at the club, won everything that he possibly could, mm -hmm. represented his country, played for Celtic in the Champions League, all that type of thing. Clearly highly rated, has a value. If he left, I would have absolutely no complaints whatsoever. However, for the first time in his Celtic career, the, the chips have been down and he stayed and became captain. So I think, you know, looking at that, I look at Callum McGregor now and I think fair play. Yeah, it's also credit to him, the club and the academy that an academy player has come through and become the captain. I think there'll be a lot of pride behind the scenes in that. Um, you know, I think as fans, we always love to see one of our own coming through. Maybe the most recent example of that would be Steve McManus, maybe, to yeah. become captain. And I'm not sure before that, you've got guys like McNamara and Lenny and different captains over the years. So good to see one of our own coming through. And as I say, best wishes to Callum McGregor. We hope it absolutely works out for him. So, uh, Paddy, as we're starting to wrap up the show, you know I love a scoreline prediction. Can I put you in the spot? What are you giving me for the Michelin game and why? Um, I'm going to say after being, I don't know, after this podcast, um, I'm feeling a bit more confident about things. I'm going to go 2-0 Celtic tomorrow. The reason for it is that if we are going to play this type of football that Ange is, uh, you know, been promising us I think that there's still enough players in that team to go and cause damage to a team that's uh, they had a bad result at the weekend they don't have a lot of firepower uh, which makes me feel that whoever's at the back line um, should have enough to, to cope with what we're up against I don't think there's a lot of pace in that team that we're up against tomorrow night and we just need to take it from the front foot we've got the crowd behind the, play the players uh, I had low expectations at the start of this podcast I'm now going for it come on Celtic that's what we're here for Paddy what about yourself Muff? that's what happens Paddy just a, a wee hour in my company bang issue world's a better place <laughs> um, I'm going to go 1-1 um, I think it'll be not necessarily attritional I, I think probably both teams will have their have their moments in the game and I, I think you know 1-1 whilst I've been I've been fairly pessimistic about our chances of progression uh, progressing 1-1 at least keeps the, keeps the tie open. So that's kind of what I've got in my head. We're at home. We'll probably raise it slightly compared to how we've been playing so far this season. Get the get the, the starting 11 on the park and I'm hopeful that we'll see at least a, an improved level of performance and also a few more chances created. Yeah, and we're in new territory in terms of the away goal rule. So obviously that's been scrapped now. So 1-1 one, one at home wouldn't have been such a good result in years past. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. actually not the worst and, and it would certainly keep us in the tie moving forward. My own prediction, lads, for tomorrow, 2-1 Celtic. The reason, Paddy... Blind faith. Blind faith. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll do. That'll do. So we'll see how that goes. So it's been an incredible 501 days since fans were last allowed in to witness competitive football at Celtic Park. And for 9,000 of us, that wait is finally over as we look forward to officially welcoming Ange and his team to Celtic Park against Mitchelland. He and his new captain, Callum McGregor, will be determined to get us off to a strong start and a game which will go a long way to determining how his early time here is judged. Whether we're playing Mitchelland, Man United or Maryhill Juniors, winning is always the expectation at Celtic, but Ange will find that out soon enough. 
Thanks to Miff and Paddy for joining me on today's show and as always our thanks to you for listening. If you're enjoying what we do, please continue to support us by sharing this episode with anyone you think will enjoy it and you can also keep up with us during the week on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week. Sponsored by 1010 Podcasts. Sports Social Podcast Network.